name is Sifiso, um, for those who don't know me. Uh, I'm going to just jump straight into it. My my time, thank you so much for uh, the wonderful introduction. I don't know where Hercules is gone, and the prayer. And um, let me first of all just say how blessed I am this morning by just what has just happened this morning. All the words that were shared, um, just Lara, this presentation, it was just so moving, so thank you so much. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot that's been echoed already this morning that I'm just going to repeat for your uh, pleasure. Um, and so uh, go with me as we go with this faith, faithfully fruitful journey. Um, in my situation in my life with my family, um, that guy is still sleeping. Oh, that's good. Um, uh, I am coming to an end of something, and um, and it's very apt that I should be actually here before you on this Sunday, this particular Sunday before this end of the week, because it it helps mark something that the Lord has been speaking to me about, um, and uh, the way in which I came about this sermon was actually I had been reading through Mark for quite some time and I came, up, came across a passage of scripture that has always bugged me and that was the passage of scripture about the, um, the, the tree that Jesus curses um, at, at the beginning of his last week. So there's a, there's a very important week in his life um, and in the picture guys, this is not the tree, okay? It's not the tree. I just want you just to make a reference that, that that's not the tree, but the idea is that you will know what I'm talking about. Um, so in the last week of his life's work, his ministry, what he's here for, what he was, what he was preparing for, for 30 years of just being a carpenter's son and living in a, in a spot that no one really was, was um, going to look at. In the, it wasn't a, a big town. It wasn't like he was someone from Jerusalem. It wasn't like that. He was just from Nazareth and that was it. And uh, a carpenter's son. Um, and in this last week, in his three years of ministry, before he gets led to the cross, there's something that is very interesting and uh, to me was quite penultimate that happens. Um, I'm going to read a large passage of scripture. Nigel, please don't move from this slide. I'll ask you to go from the next, next one soon. But I'm going to read a, a big passage of scripture, which is the main part of um, the sermon this morning. And that is, if you have your Bibles with me, uh, follow with me, Mark 11. We're going to read from verse 1 to 25, I think it is, which is quite a lot to read. I'm going to read it through one time over, just so that we can hear the context of where we are. And then I'm going to go back and forth as I like to do, and sort of pick out the things that I think are important for us to highlight and to know. Now, when I move into this, um, I tend to go really quickly, so try and stay with me. I also try to, I also tend to have a lot of things that I say, um, a lot of things that I try to focus on, and also jump around a bit. So please stick with me within that. Case in point, for example, I'm going to put a pause on what I'm just saying and share with you something that I wanted to share, uh, that, that I, I, a word that I got from a friend over a, a, a strange wa a WhatsApp call. So I did an event about two nights ago. It's a charity event after the show. Um, I got suited and booted and got whisked away in a cab. I went to Hammersmith's and Paul's Hammersmith, sang at a charity concert. And the lady that I sang for, we had a uh, WhatsApp call about two, two to three weeks prior to this event. Now, um, I want to share with you something that I think ties in with the sermon, but it might be a word for someone here or maybe for no one here, but it might be important to hear. She said to me, uh, we were talking about something that, that I won't go into, but basically she, she um, shared with me a, a message that she had gotten f from one of her um, pastors. And um, the gentleman spoke to her about Moses and his staff. When we were praying this morning, this is just the word, this is not the sermon yet. Um, when we were praying this morning, I had a picture of um, Jesus having a sheep over his shoulders. So we all know Jesus is the good shepherd. Yes, amen? Amen. Jesus is the good shepherd. We know that we are the sheep. Yes, amen? Amen. I want you to humble yourselves right now. Some of us, we think we're the lions and we're the bears. and we're the, Let's just humble ourselves right now. We are all the sheep. Um, and it's good to be a sheep. Amen. 
because the shepherd knows exactly what the sheep needs. The shepherd knows exactly how to help the sheep get to where the sheep need to be, to have the water, to have the right food, to have the, the right health that they need to have. The shepherd takes care of his sheep. The shepherd identifies the one who's trying to steal the sheep, the one who's trying to maybe come in, the wolves that he protects them. So there was a sheep on Jesus' shoulders. Um, and as I was thinking about the shepherd, I remembered Moses and remembered um, this lady's message that she s said to me. And she said, there was a, there's a time in Moses' journey where he did not have the confidence to do what God had asked him to do. We all know this. He stood in front of God, and God was saying to him, I want you to go into Egypt, and I want you to go set my people free. And he was like, God, but I can't. Pharaoh's got all of these things. And he just, Moses just came with his list of this. I can't do this, 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 this. This is why I can't do it. This is why you can't send me. And then God goes on and he says to him, now this is what I want you to maybe click into now. If you haven't been listening to me in the last five minutes, click into this. He says to him, what do you have in your hand? And Moses says, a staff. So the staff is the representation of Moses' livelihood, right? Because he was a? Oh, yes, you guys are with me. So he was a shepherd. I want you to be with me even more, okay? You're going to wake up today because it's Remembrance Sunday. We're going to remember everything that Jesus has done in this word, okay? We're going from Genesis to the end, Revelation. You're going to stay with me here. I need you to be with me. So he says to him, what do you have in your hand? And he says, uh, uh, this is my staff, right? Because he's a shepherd. So to Moses, that staff represented everything of his livelihood, what he did for his work to provide for his family so that he was looked after, so that they had food to eat. That staff represented his livelihood. And then God asks, those of you who know your Bibles, God says to him, okay, I want you to throw that down. And what happens to the staff? It turns into a snake. And Moses steps back in fear and terror, and he goes, oh my goodness, it's a snake. He didn't say that, no. It's just the actor in me speaking, seeing all of it happen that way. If I was Moses, that would have been me. Ah! So anyway, so he turns into a snake, and then God says to him, okay, now take it by the tail. And he does so. Great on Moses. He listens to God. He does so. He takes it by the tail. And then what happens to it? Turns back into a staff. Right? So other things happen as well. But this is the most important thing that I want you to maybe just click into, which I'm going to expand on. So I want to say to you, someone needs to hear this this morning. Your livelihood, the thing that you have in your hands, the thing that you do, the thing that you hold dear to your, in your heart as your, your, your provision, as the thing that brings you security, that thing in God's hands, if it is not for the work of the kingdom can turn into the thing that bites you in the bum. Okay? Someone needs to hear this. Our trust in our thing that provides for us, in our work, in our security, in our jobs, it is, it is nothing unless it is in God's hands as well. Moses could not do what he needed to do unless he gave even that thing that was his provision, put it into the hands of the Lord. I'm in that situation in my life right now. There's a week to go with my job. I must give it to the Lord. If you and I do not do that, someone needs to hear this this morning before we even jump into being fruitfully faithful or faithfully fruitful, whichever way you want to spin it. Um, someone needs to hear it. If you do not put your jobs... <laughs> Your security, the thing that you trust the most, if you don't put it in, in the hands of the Lord, even that will become the thing that works against you. So she drops this bomb with me in a nonchalant conversation over WhatsApp call. Remember, this is all happening over WhatsApp call. So I'm sitting on the other side of the phone and I'm like, okay, okay, God, cool. So I need to give all of myself to you, right? Fine. And so then God starts asking me a, a very um, pertinent and important question. And he says to me, okay, um, what is it that you do? And I, start, and I start thinking about this scripture that's been bugging me. Because it's been a couple of weeks now that I've, I've stopped on this passage of scripture, which we're going to jump into in a second. 
And he says, "What do you What do you do? What, is it, what, what do you do?" And I'm like, "God, what do you mean? What do, what do I do? I'm 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 an actor. I'm I'm a father. What do you, what, what else do you mean? What do you want? <laughs> I, I I I do this stuff. I go and act, and then that's it." I was like, "No, but okay. What do you do?" So I was like, "Okay, fine." And and, and as things go, and I I don't know if you're the same with, as me, but I sort of when God takes me into these strange places, I sort of like try to leave it or forget it. Try to go, I, Lord, I, that's not you, maybe. I'm, I'm just trying to figure this out by myself, so let's move on with life. God, here we go. So I s- decided to move on with life, but then decided to be obedient and went back to the scripture. So let's jump into Mark 11. And um, here we are at the beginning of this week now that we're going to delve into. So Mark 11 verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why do you do this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, why are you doing, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they said, and they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Verse 9. Then those who went before and Those who followed cried out, saying, we sang this this morning, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 11. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the scripture that I got stuck on for a couple of weeks. Excuse me. Verse 12. Now the next day, when they had come out of Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he, had come, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall, not, shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves? And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. 20. Now, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter, remembering remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you asked when you pray, believe that you have received them, and you will have them. Can we get an amen? amen? 25, let's finish it off. And whenever you stand praying, this is also probably the most important. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. My goodness, what a chunk. Okay, so... Boom, Mark 11 has been in my life for the last three, four weeks, which has been unbelievable. Here's where I want to start today, or at least here's where I want to maybe even give you the context of where we're going to finish. 
I want you to see in the word here that there are uh, that there's an interesting sandwich that happens, an interesting bread sandwich that happens. Jerusalem, which is a symbol of so much promise, so much glory, hope, so much deity and the king and Jesus is coming on his donkey and is riding in and everyone is shouting Hosanna in the streets. A massive moment between Jesus and his disciples where someone, a, a tree is cursed and there's Jerusalem on the other end. Okay, Jerusalem on both ends, and in the middle, there's something very important that happens. Now, I found out in my research, reading different commentaries, watching different sermons, and just trying to grapple with why this part of scripture irritated me. Honestly, it did. I was like, Jesus, why did you curse the tree? The tree did nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it did nothing. What did the tree do to you, Jesus? I was quite upset about this, and I didn't realize how upset I was until I actually just wanted to like, sit down and deal with it with God, which is where God stopped me. He was like, let's deal with this. Why are you upset about the scripture? I didn't know. Sometimes I want to say to you, let me just put a footnote in there. Sometimes when you are most irritated about something, it is because of our ignorance of, what, of why we don't know what God is doing. Sometimes our ignorance m m causes us to move into places where we want to challenge God's authority on things. And I want to say to you, get to a place where you go down on your knees and you pray. Get to a place where you want to search the scriptures more and understand what God's heart is behind it so that your ignorance doesn't just lead you as a rudder falsely into different winds. Okay? Otherwise, it's dangerous waters. We just, we don't want to do that. So fine. So I, I was like, I'm not going to give in to my ignorance. Let's find out why this is irritating me. And I did. So one of the commentaries said that this is not a, a... Jesus didn't curse the tree in the sense that I, you and I might understand the word curse. Sometimes we want to put the word curse along with a, um, 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 a, a more sort of dark or bad connotation. Um, um, I, I, I even maybe sometimes want to put it to things like you know, witches and, you know where, where I'm going with this. We, 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 we put curse with, with a bad connotation. And um, one of the commentators just, just cleared it up for me. And he said, curses aren't necessarily, the curses aren't that. They, yes, they can be that. Um, and, and they are that, you know, if we go into a spiritual um, realm conversation. But in the word, Largely, a curse, largely, all the time, most of the time and all the time. No, I want to say it all the time, not most of the time. All the time, if it is used in the context of Jesus Christ, it is more of a judgment than it is of the bad connotation that we have it in modern times or in our understanding of it. It is a judgment. So Jesus places a firm and harsh judgment on this tree because he is the judge. Right? We know that when we die and we go to heaven, we're going to come in before the judge, him. He's going to be the one who's going to say, yes, no, yes, no. He's the judge. So Jesus places a judgment on the tree. And this is why he places a judgment on the tree. Nigel, let's go to the next slide. I just, wanna, I just want you to maybe think about this. What do you do with your living? Okay, let me read this quickly so that I can go with the slides and we just don't, um, I just don't ramble about. For it is not... The he it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. I want you to remember this as we go through this morning. It is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but it is the doers of the law who will be justified. Okay? Let's go to the next one, please, sir. Cool. We've read this. Let, let, me, let me hold on here, yeah? So Mark 11 12 to 14, on the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf. I'm going to pause there. So there's something that's very interesting as to why Jesus places this judgment on this tree. It is because it is a tree that is in leaf in a time that it is not supposed to be in leaf. Okay, so this tree in this moment with Christ is representing a promise, a, a state of um, provision for filling a need that the Messiah has, which is that it, it, he is hungry and it is in leaf, so therefore it means it must be close 
to having fruit. Now, when a tree was in leaf at the time, it didn't mean that it had fruit. So the tree not having fruit is actually, it was actually partly right. It was partly on the right side. The problem with the tree was that it didn't even have the buds that would produce the fruit, which were actually edible. So the buds that would produce fruit were actually edible parts of the tree, which would provide sustenance for, for um, people in biblical times when we were still eating fig trees off the street. I mean, I think we all still do eat fig trees, uh, figs from fig trees. Um, but in any case, I digress. Uh, so the problem was is that it didn't have even that, which meant that because it didn't even have the buds that the Messiah could have eaten, it wasn't even going to come into having fruits at all. So it had somehow miraculously bypassed going from having fruit, going from having buds to having leaves that sprouted, having bigger buds that were going to be fruit to having fruit. It just went from one end to being a nice sapling seed, grew into a tree and had leaves. So the tree was doomed from the beginning. If that, if you, if you understand what I'm saying, because it didn't, it wasn't going to um, give anyone any food. Now, the first thing that I want you to know is that anything that doesn't produce, God does not give room or space for. Okay? If you do not produce fruit, it is not enough that you and I are thinking of ourselves as nice Christians, happy Christians, and the eternal glory is all that we are living for, is the eternal glory is all that we want, the eternal glory is all that we want to step into, is he awake? Little man is awake. Thank you, mommy. Thank you. Um, it is not enough. I want you to hear this and see this now. It is not enough for you and I to just be content with where we are in our lives. Which is why I want you to remember the question, what do you do with your living? What do you do with your living? Because Jesus, in his grace and in his mercy, from the get-go, Jesus has expected something of his sheep. That they will follow him and that they will do all that he has commanded them to do. So Jesus has expected of you and I something. Okay, I'm going to step into territory here that is going to be um, a little bit in opposition to the idea or the, maybe the, 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 the preaching stance that Christ is okay with our lives however they are. If that were the case, there wouldn't have been a commission at the end of Matthew's gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is not a state in your and my life where you are okay <laughs> or, where you are, or, or where you are not supposed to be driven by a zeal to do something for the kingdom and for the glory of God. So this tree that does not bear fruit, you and I are in a situation where we must recognize here that this tree gets a harsh judgment from the Messiah. The same guy who you and I are going to be facing at the end of our lives that, that, that passed this judgment, do not think he will not pass a judgment as harsh on you for not bearing fruit or being satisfied with where you are in your lives. What do you do with your living? Now the point, the reason why I'm, I'm pressing into this a little bit more is, Nigel, if you can go to the next one for me, is because I want you to see this here. The Messiah is always a sympathizer. Christ has always sympathized with us. He's always on our side and he's always going to be on our side because he is just a good, benevolent God. He is not a kind of a master who is going to shun you um, with one mistake. The Lord knows how many I have made and I praise God for his mercy. 
that is the Messiah, that is, that is the goodness of God. But it does not allow you and me the idea or the thought that we must continue on in sort of stringing him along with to fitting into our lives. There's a point where you and I need to sh change, shift, repent, move 180 degrees opposite to what we've been doing. Repent. It's, the word says repent for the kingdom of God is here. I think it's Mark, uh, Matthew 3.11, I think it is. Um, where John the Baptist charges everyone to turn from their wicked ways. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. So he is a sympathizer. This is a point in, this, in the scriptures that um, I'm moved by. I'm, I'm moved by the, by the places where Christ is most human in, in how the scriptures um, make him out to be. Because he was hungry this morning, which then actually says that the night before, so they made this journey from Bethany into Jerusalem, right? I don't know how long the journey was. Please go look that up. You can go into Laura's um, helpful um, sources that she has. She'll be able to help you with this. Moving from, they went from Bethany into Jerusalem. So it is, it is thought that they went from Jerusalem in and out into the city. So they didn't sleep in Jerusalem in this week of leading up to Passover. They went back to Bethany. So probably at Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, he lived in Bethany. So that's probably where he slept. But this night, the Monday, yes, the Monday night, they probably slept outside in a tent somewhere in Bethany, which meant that they didn't have anyone's hospitality, so they didn't have any food, which is why he was hungry that morning, right? So as they go, he sees this tree off in the distance, um, and now I want, to, I want you to put yourself in the position, if you've not already this morning, as the tree, right? You and I cannot be pretenders in this, in this scenario. In this story, we cannot pretend to have, to have this flourishing Christian lifestyle on the outside. We cannot pretend to have this flourishing relationship with Jesus on the outside if it is not the truth on the inside. Because this is what happens soon after. He went to see if he could find anything on it. So Jesus was at a distance... What's that? <laughs> a tree. It's in leaf. He came. I'm hungry. Jesus came closer, closer, closer. No fruit. No fruit. So the Lord, in the time where he's, where he's giving you the grace to do what you want to do in your life, we all know that God is the ever-gentleman, the ever-present, kind man. He's not going to come and bulldoze your life. He's not going to, because the reason why he doesn't bulldoze your life is because he wants you to say the yes to him. He wants you to say the, I'm going to do it, Lord. He wants you to do the, I'm going to lay it down, God, for you. He's not going to bulldoze. He's just going to knock. So, so he's going to also, proverbial in this context, he's going to take the journey slowly towards you to see what actually is in your heart and that journey towards you is an example of David and Saul where Saul had after he had refused after David was anointed king and he had chased him down and Samuel had died after David was anointed king and the, and, the, and the anointing on his life was removed Saul was given 40 years God was moving closer to Saul 40 years to give him an opportunity before David took the throne in the physical sense, before David could actually become king physically, there was still 40 years of rule from Saul, which meant that there's this period, folks, there is a period where God is gracious with us. There's no, there, it's, there's, it's not an accident that the Bible uses long suffering along with um, um, uh, describing God's character. Because God comes, he does take his time, he's gracious, he'll come closer. And that's exactly what happens here. God comes closer, Jesus comes closer to this tree, and he sees that there is nothing on it. Not even a sprouting of a bud that will produce fruit. Which then means that in this case, for you and I, here we are in Revelation, for you and I, at the end of it all, the grace that we have is that we are in Christ. And John 15 is very clear when it speaks about you and I being in and abiding in the true vine.
because the, the one who is the true vine, he gives life to the branches and he prunes the branches and those branches do what? They bear more fruit and they bear more fruit and they bear more fruit as they abide in the vine. So in this situation, you and I are, cannot be deceivers anymore to the Lord. Because when God is close to your heart and he's closest to you, when he comes up close, he sees everything. I, we don't even, I don't even need to actually stress the fact that God needs distance to see everything. He sees everything in any case. I'm talking to you about the fact that God uses and is gracious and will use time. Your time, not his time because he's eternal. He's forever. Your time meaning the 80 plus years or whatever that we have on average on this earth. God will use every day. You know when the scripture says, your mercy is on you every day? This is Jesus coming closer to the tree. Coming closer. I'm just coming closer. I see that there are leaves. But are you going to be, are you going to abide in me? Are you going to allow me to cut you up? Are you going to allow me to prune you? Are you going to allow me to help you on your journey to bearing more fruit? Okay, so this is the thing that, this is the one thing that I want you to, I, I think it's cemented now. I've, I've, I've spent some good time on this. It's cemented. Fine. So I looked at this and I, I went, okay, but how is this possible, Jesus, that you would do this at this point in time? One of the commentaries says that the reason why this judgment gets passed is because of what is happening on either side of this story. So in the first instance, the first slice of bread, Jesus is coming in on a donkey and everyone in the town is shouting, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. What is the scripture? Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. On the second part of scripture, soon after Hosanna in the highest, Jesus went into the temple and it says, and he looked at all things that were happening there. Let me read it properly so that I'm not paraphrasing. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So that means that as he was entering into Jerusalem on his donkey, and as he was in the temple, he sees what he sees in the temple, goes back to Bethany, sleeps on it, sleeps on it, is hungry, comes back out, finds this tree on the way, passes a judgment on the way, this tree being Israel, a representation of the nation of Israel, goes back to the temple, the same temple that he visited on the same day, that Monday, the same temple that he visited, he, he goes back and he deals with the temple because the temple, what were they doing in the temple? They were selling stuff. They were doing things. They weren't, it was not a house of prayer. There was a lot that was going on in the temple that was not of God. It was not about building the kingdom. It was all about actually just having your own coffers filled, making your own profits. So on either side, Jerusalem was leafy, leafy tree. Jerusalem on either side, from afar, when you looked at Jerusalem, everyone was saying the right thing. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus came into the city, everyone was shouting in the streets, Hosanna in the highest. When he went closer, we are walking closer. Oh, there's the temple. Oh, let's go closer, guys. Let's go. Let's go into the temple. Inside now. This is where Christ is in close proximity. Not fruit. Can it, do we all agree? No fruit. In our modern society right now, we are in risk and we are at, in, in a dangerous situation where we are also very much looking like the, the same picture of an external, happy, charismatic, Protestant offshoot of, of church where we can clap our hands, we can sing. There's no, did you guys see this weird um, banding, banding, uh, clapping in theaters or in live events now on the news? Do you see this? America's got strange things, man. There was, there was on the morning news, they were, they were saying, we should, um, should we have a conversation about maybe banning people clapping for the sake of those who are maybe sensitive to loud sounds? <laughs> 
<laughs> and I thought, I thought, this is a dangerous place that we're going down because now we're going to stop people from saying anything um, at the risk of being overly too loud for the sensitive people. But anyway, so that's neither here nor there. But what I'm getting at is you and I might have the privilege of praising Jesus externally and outwardly, and we don't have any restrictions, which is a gift. We're not in the Middle East, or we're not in massive nations that are Islamic, which will go after you and take your life for professing Jesus. So you and I have a gift of being able to profess the name of Jesus and praise Him openly. But I am very concerned that our relationship to, to having that freedom has meant that we have actually been very lax with that freedom. That we have not been actually fruitful with that freedom. We've been very um, happy to have it and that's about it. It's almost like you, 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 know, you know that there's, there's a, a, a resource that you can use, which is you know, Amazon Prime, so whenever you need it, you just click and then you move back and you go on with your daily. And that's how we sort of treat church, is that there's a resource that I can come to on a Sunday, get my little um, a, a top up, and then I move back out into the world. But sort of the same things happen and nothing gets changed. And I'm speaking to myself here more than I'm speaking to you because this is something that God was very insistent upon placing in my heart, is that in this passage of scripture, Jerusalem was the place where everyone was meant to go and be excited about the Messiah. And they were on the outside, but it was evident that there was nothing in terms of a relationship with the one true Messiah. The only guys that were actually in a true abiding relationship were those who were very close to him. Very close. But they chose to do that, and they saw it. They saw it. They saw the relationship. They saw the, 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 the truth in it. So, so where does this fit in with how you live, how you do your living? Where does this fit in with um, any of, of the, the, the faithfully fruitful which is a wonderful um, alliterative title that I came up with. Where does it fit in? So I wanted to ask God, I wanted to figure out for myself, okay, so uh, Lord, you've helped me see here that there is something important in this passage of Scripture that is trying to um, say and show me that on either side that we shouldn't just be externally you know, leafy, that we should actually bear fruit. So, so how do I, what do I do with that? How do I do that? And... And a, a passage of scripture that I, that I also was able to, to hear and sort of be expounded and understand the relationship between faith and fruit a lot more was that of the parable of the talents. If we can go to that, I think it's Matthew 25. Is that the next one? Yes, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Now, I want to read it to you. You all know this very well. I want to read it to you, but I want you to know here that there's something that is very important, and, and I'm going to close this off because I know that we've sort of, um, we spent some good time with, with uh, um, our earlier part of our service this morning with the program. So let me, let me move through this and try and bring this all to a close so that we can understand the true relationship of what it means to be a, a tree or a branch that is connected to the vine, that is fruitful, and the, and the power behind being in the grace and the love of the Messiah. So 14, it's 25, 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. We all know that the guy who had five, he went off and he made another five. So he, he had ten. Guy who had two went off, made another two. He had four. The one who had one dug it in the ground, put it away so that he can give it back to his master when he came back. Now... 
when I was listening to this commentary on the scripture, in relation to the, the cursed tree, the tree that, that is leafy but has no representation of bearing fruit, it's dawned on me that there's something important that you and I need to also confess and come to terms with, which is the same thing that I said to you at the very beginning with Moses and his staff. You and I need to come to terms with the things that we hold dear to our lives, that are our security, that are our provision, the thing that is most, most certainly, I would say for 90% of us, maybe our work might become that thing that is the driving force what you do with what you've been given is important I want to make a distinction here which is I'm grateful for Bible school too if you're not doing Bible school please do Bible school it's amazing um, because this part of the sermon is all thanks to Bible School 2. So in Bible School 2, there's a part of uh, the course that is entitled Calling and Separation. And Pastor Lucille says in this, in this uh, module, she, she says, your calling and your vocation, the thing that you do, your work, are not necessarily the same thing. No, they're not. Some of you thought they were. So you are happy to do your work, and it's for the kingdom of God but they're not necessarily the same thing. They can be overlap, she says. Some, they can be absolute overlap, but they're not the same thing. Now, I want to say to you that if you do not know your calling, please stay so that we can trust the Lord to show you what it is and tell you what it is because it is paramount that you and I know what we were called to do on this earth because it is by that that we will be judged. It is by doing that that we will be judged. If you do not know why you are here, if you do not know what you are called to do, you cannot bear more fruit because you won't be doing it. So you can't even be fruitful if you don't know what you are called to do. See, these folks, it was very clear for them what the master asked them to do. I've got five talents. Okay? I'm going to give you my money. Um, just, you know. Take care, of my, take care of my estate, take care of my profits, take care of, of, of what I've given you. Take care of it, because at the beginning of the word, all, all in Genesis, God is like, be fruitful and multiply, right? So these two servants at the beginning of the story, they understand the principle that they're going to be fruitful. They're going to take what the, what the Lord has given them, what their master has given them, and they're going to try and double it. They're going to try and do whatever they can, even if they didn't double it. Even if the guy who had five had made one or two more, I think the master would have still been impressed because he did something with it. But... He didn't do one or two more. He did an actual double. He did a total like double of what he was given. Which means then that the word has got a specific standard for each and every one of us. Whatever you have been given in your life, what do you do with your living? Whatever you and I have been given in our lives, we must be fruitful. It must multiply. You must multiply it. But you cannot multiply what you do not know you are meant to multiply. Does that make sense to you this morning? You must be clear what it is you are meant to multiply. I want to say to you in a very um, a gracious, I think, loving way, if you think you are called to do the work that you are doing, be clear that it is exactly what God said you must do. Do not just be stuck in a work ministry, because now the excuse is that I, this is my work ministry. Now the, 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 the easy excuse is this is my work ministry. I'm going to reach the people at work but I haven't spoken to anyone in two years. Do you know what I mean? You haven't shared the gospel with anyone in five years. You haven't, you haven't taken someone out for coffee to get to know them and actually build that relationship. But the excuse is, this is my work ministry. I want to say to you, the work ministry is valid. It's a valid point. It is an absolutely valid point. But it is only valid if it is exactly in line with what the King of Kings has called you to do. If you do not know what you are called to do, you cannot multiply what you don't know. These folks knew what they were meant to do. This guy who had the one talent, he saw what the other guys were doing. It's not like he was isolated on an island after he was given the talents. All three of them were all servants in the same sphere, in the same place. And so he saw what his other compatriots were doing. He decided to do the opposite. And he said, when his master came back and asked him, okay, where's, where's the money? He was like, oh, here it is. 
And I want to say to you, the gift that God has given you, if you do not know what it is, come and let's pray so, we can find, so you can find it out. Because that talent represents the gifts that God has given us. I want to um, ask you, this is, this is meant to be an encouragement this morning, this afternoon. <laughs> this is meant to be an encouragement. You have to know what the gifts are that you possess. We're not dealing with a young audience anymore. I'm looking at this congregation. We are not young audiences. We are young at heart. We are young and beautiful. That's okay. I just mean in terms of we're not 12 or 10 or 9 that we have to try and explain and try and sort of still discover what our gifts are. If you do not know it, we must know it today. We must find that out because you cannot go on doing what you're doing and then getting to the end of your life and being like, I actually didn't know that that's what I was called for. I actually didn't know that that's what I was going to be asked to actually produce before you, God. If you are, I know it for, for me as a parent, if I'm called as a parent and I think I'm mostly just an actor and all of my work ministry is coming through the acting and God is actually saying, no, 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 you're a father first. You need to raise these kids and I've called you to raise these kids and I don't raise them how he wants me to raise them. It does not matter that I've made my money your calling, what you do, and how you make your money are not the same thing. Okay? It does not matter that how I made my money was great and my family was looked after. If God is saying to me, okay, did your son and did your daughter, did the two of them go on to build their own worship ministry? Did they do X, Y, Z? I gave you these things in your, in your heart for, them to, for you to pray into it. Excuse me. I get very... Um, yeah, for you to pray into it and all of that stuff. Did you do all of that stuff? And I said, but God, no, but I'm, I'm an actor. Like my son, you missed the whole point. You missed it. You spent 80 plus years of your life and you missed why I called you on the earth. You were too focused on the work ministry. I want to bring it before you because it's become a buzzword in our, in our Christian society now. It's a beautiful buzzword, but if you do not know what you're called for, you cannot bear fruit. Now, the fruitfulness is part of God's gift to us as well. If you are faithful with the thing that he has called you to, if you are faithful with the thing that he has given you, there is no question that you will be fruitful as well. No question about it. Because the Increase comes from him. And he will entrust you with more so that you can enlarge your tent. So how does this work in with this fig tree situation? At the end of the story of the fig tree, let's just jump there quickly. Um, I, think it's, I think you can go to the last slide, Nigel. Yeah. So this is Mark 11, verse 20 now. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed, passed judgment on, has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whatever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that the Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your, sin, your trespasses. So here there's an interesting thing that it sounds like Jesus makes a shift in focus. Because he's like, the tree is cursed. Christ says, have faith. It's not a massive shift, but it also, I, I, the first time I read it, I was like, but, okay, that's cool. Um, I'm going to have faith and say to the, to the mountain, move, and it will move, and there's no doubt in my heart, and it'll happen. But the thing that I think is, is very beautiful in this situation is that Christ's journey of faithfulness slash fruitfulness 
did not begin on the first year of his three-year ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? What did Christ say to most people all the time when they asked him what he does? He said, I have come to do the will of my father. From the time he was born to the time where he was patiently under his father's trade, learning, being a carpenter, to the time where he would sneak off to the temple and teach the guys there who were 80, 90 years old who didn't know anything about the word but just give them revelations. And then his mom and dad would come back and be like, well, you, we've been looking for you for so many days. And they were like, what? Don't you know I'm here doing the work of my... What do you mean? Where am I? I'm here. You should have come here first. Why did you take such a long time walking around in the... Come here. Here I am. And then he got taken back home, and then he grew up, and he grew up, and he grew up to the time where he moved out, and then was like, okay, cool, starting the, the ministry. All of that time, Jesus was doing the will of his father because he knew why he was on the earth. I've come to do the will of my father. That is someone who is answering with a calling knows his calling. That is someone who's answering with a confidence of what he knows he's meant to do on this earth. So he goes about doing that for 30 years, not missing a beat, faithfully, faithfully doing exactly what the, what the Lord asks him. So that by the time he gets to the place where his first miracle happens and he turns the water into wine, there is a lot of fruit in what he does because he is bearing fruit he's been close to the father he's abided with the father the father has pruned him the father has shaped him the father has done what he need, needed to do so he's bearing much fruit he's bearing much everyone is benefiting from the fruit that he is bearing it was not at the first place or the first point all of the all of the rest is important please don't get me wrong i'm not trying to um trivialize the life of the Messiah. I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is, is that your fruitfulness and the power that you and I desire so much in being able to say to a mountain move does not begin with you just blindly believing it in your heart. That belief must come from somewhere. That belief must come from having a place of of, of experience in the Father, of abiding in the Father, of journeying through with the Father, of being in confidence with the Father, of knowing and bearing fruit in the ways in which you have been called to bear fruit, because it is in those places that you will be able to move the mountains. Do you understand what I'm saying? You and I go into the wrong context and we try to move mountains because we've not been faithful in the thing we've been called to do. You and I try to move mountains in the wrong thing where God is like, I didn't call you to, to go and sing or to go and speak to, to strippers. I didn't call you to go and do a, a prison ministry, but it looks flashy. As a Christian, it looks flashy. It looks flashy to go and do a prison ministry and to go and God is like, I didn't call you for that. Someone else is called for that. So you're not going to be able to move mountains in that because you're not being fruitful in what I've told you to do to be fruitful in. Be fruitful in what I've given you and I will give you much more. I will make you, where's the scripture now? Um, sorry, let me go to, to, to Mark, Matthew 25 so I can read it prop properly as I close. Do you all follow me this morning? Please, amen to the King of Kings. Amen. Can we get an amen? amen? Amen. You follow me. Jesus, they follow me. Amen. So this is the thing that Jesus says to the guys. He says, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Don't lose your place now, buddy. No, 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 no. Now the flow is ruined. You see? You lost your place. Now the flow is ruined. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. See? There's a displacement of what is it? Of pretense that happens with us Christians in our modern day sphere. A displacement of pretense, meaning that you and I, we are saved, we know and we love Jesus, 
and we are we are doing our best. Honestly, everyone, I, I want to commend you. You are here because you want to be closer to the king. You want to hear from the king. You want to be fed by the king. Okay, so I'm commending you already because you are here. I want you to be aware of something that is very interesting in our modern day culture of living. There is a place where people are saying out in the world, you can do and you can be whatever you want to be. Th that is true. The folks that made the Tower of Babel, they, they absolutely are evidence of that. You can be. But if you and I as Christians want to be in the will of the Father and we want to be fruitful beings and we want to be fruitful children of the King, then we must seek out what he has entrusted us to have. We must know exactly what he has given us in our hands. So if you are a father or a mother, you have children, and that's all you do, do that. Be faithful in it. You will be fruitful in it because if you are faithful in it, God will increase your, 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 your capacity. God will, 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 will extend your reach but if you're not faithful in the thing, if you're working and your, 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 your job is a, is a boring desk job and you wish you were released from it, if you are not faithful in the thing that he has put you in, if you don't even know that you were supposed to be there, find out what you're supposed to do. But don't put the two together and say, the fact that I'm at the desk job is, God's, is God being like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Maybe you're not supposed to be at the desk job. But if you're supposed to be at the desk job, which is also something that God is very much in his rights to, to say, if you're supposed to be at the desk job, if you're supposed to be the parent, if you're supposed to be the athlete who's, who's, who's injured and can't play in the tournament, if you're supposed to be frustrated by finances, if you're supposed to be in that season, you know it better than I do. I'm not in your lives. You must be faithful in seeing that thing through. Because if you see it through, you will see the fruit. And once you've seen the fruit, then you will be elevated for the kingdom of, of, of God. Then you'll be able to say to the mountains, move. Because it's coming from a place that is solid in Christ, that is rooted from the faithfulness of Jesus. You understand what it means to be faithful to Christ. God is not going to give any, just any old person, the power to speak to the mountains. He will, he will do that to those who he wants to show an example of. Yes, he will. But he's not just going to flippantly allow things that I think sometimes we... Let me not, let me not try to, to, to contradict scripture here. I'm not speaking against God's ability to allow, um, um, allow you to be able to have that kind of power. Okay? I'm not saying that none of us can have that kind of power. We all can have that kind of power by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was given to us. And if, you, if you're baptized in the Spirit and you've got the Spirit, you know, all of us have that power. We all do. What I'm saying to you is that there's a difference between being someone who knows and understands that power and is able to use it responsibly and someone who is not. Because you who are someone who does not understand that power will not be doing what you think you are doing for God because it'll be that serpent, that stuff that turns into a serpent that'll bite you. It'll, be, it'll turn into the thing that you think in your wisdom, earthly wisdom, you think you are doing it for the king, but it'll bite you. You need to understand where and why and how you are asking for what you are asking for. Because you will get it. But you might get it at the risk of not actually enlarging the kingdom. Which is a graver, graver sin. Because that is like... The Pharisees and the scribes who were like sheep, who were like wolves in sheep's clothing, who just did the same thing in the temple, used Jesus, and this is where I'm closing off now. You will be like the Pharisees and the scribes who used the kingdom, who used the temple and extorted money out of it. They used God. They used it for their own gain. You and I are at risk of doing that if we just ask for these things without actually understanding what is also required underneath it. There's a reason why 
Peter was able to walk on the water. It was early on in their relationship, but he was close to the Father. He had already walked a road with Jesus. So he was able to step onto it at least one, two, two steps before floundering. There's nothing wrong with floundering when you are in the calling. There is something wrong with floundering if you are pretending you are in the calling and you wanted all of the wonderful things. That's when the harsh, the harsh judgment comes. That's when the things become problematic. Do you understand me this morning? Let's just bow our heads. I want to pray for us this morning. Um, thank you so much for, first of all, before you bow your heads, thank you so much for bearing with me and just trying to get all of this out to you. I've been wanting to explode it out, actually, for the last three weeks. My wife last night was, was um, so gracious in letting me be in the, in the living room at about 2 a.m. trying to just get all of my thoughts together as well. So it's been, it's been a, a, an honest, honest pleasure trying to bring this word out to you this morning. And I hope something within it has cemented in your hearts because there's something very interesting in modern Christianity and the way in which we treat God that is very, very akin to how we treat, how the um, Israelites treated him in this passage of scripture, where everything on the outside looked really great, but there was deadness in the inside. And that's just the one thing that we cannot afford to move into if we're wanting to build the kingdom of heaven in any significant way and all of us are called to bear fruit but we cannot build that or bear that fruit if we don't know what it is that we're trying to build does that make sense life your work what you do it's how you earn your money if the overlap is there be clear that the overlap is there and you know it and you run with that in my life there's been a bit of an overlap but I've been cautioned now by the spirit that that's not the main thing because I was running that that is the main thing it's not the main thing there is an overlap sometimes, but it's not the thing. If it is, then run with it, okay? That's all I want to leave with you. I want to pray for a couple of people if, if you want prayer. Um, yeah, if you don't know what you were called to do, please come to the front. Let's pray. If you do know and you are scared of it, come to the front. Let's pray. If you're, tired, if you're wanting to, to, to bear more fruit, Come, let's have a conversation. Let's pray. Let's pray. Do not leave this place with being in a situation where you are just very leafy on the outside, but there's nothing showing on the inside. If you don't know how to be one of the, 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 the servants who makes their talents turn into ten and, and is faithful with the little that he's given, come to the front. Let's pray. I, I pray, Lord Jesus, that none of us here this morning will represent this fig tree, Lord, that you saw on your way into Jerusalem. I pray, Father God, that each and every person here this morning has taken something from your, from your word this morning, Father, that, that there's fruit, Lord, that is, ex that is just waiting to bud and waiting to just explode out of lives this morning, Father. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you, Father, that we can come before you now and just lay our lives before you, Father God. Um, Father, for those of us who, who might not be sure or fully aware of what we're called to do, Father God, for those of us who are maybe even starting to now think about our vocations and the things that we do, the work that we go to, even if we don't have work, Father God, those of us who are maybe just uh, yeah, sitting at home or, or waiting for a job or, or trying to make our own businesses get off the ground, Father God, all of those things, Father God, we just want to bring them before you, Father. And we want to ask you, Lord God, to bring clarity, Father God, that we don't waste the time doing something we don't know, we don't think we are called for, but that, Father, we do the thing that we are called for, that we may bear fruit in it, Father, and move mountains in and through it, Father God, and even have even more grace and favor to move into different spheres from that platform, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you will be with each and every one of us now, Lord God, as we just want to communicate with you Holy Spirit and just hear from you Holy Spirit speak now in, in Jesus name yes Lord Father I thank you God I thank you I thank you Father I thank you that you're speaking to people now in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name mm. Mm, Lord, I, I want to just, um, yeah, just glorify you as well.
I want to thank you, God, that in, um, in everything that we do and whatever it is we do, I pray, Father God, that just the, on this, this question will just be with us in this week. What are we doing with our living? And most importantly, how do we do it? How are we serving you, God? How are we serving you with our living? And I don't mean the part where we're making a living, God. I mean the part where we're alive and day in and day out we're waking up and we're going to work or meeting friends or connecting with people and interacting with people, Father God. And just how are we doing that living? What are we doing with that living? Are we spreading your gospel? Are we bringing the kingdom? Are we letting people know about you? Or are we just, what are we doing with it, God? I pray, Father, that that question will just be in our hearts this week. I pray, Father God, that it won't just be for this week, Lord, but that we are encouraged to move into a place where we abide in you even more, that we desire to abide in you even more so that we can move mountains. In intercession this morning, there was a, there was a, there was a prayer and a, and, a, and a conversation about just the, the lack of having a passion for Jesus. Father, I want to pray that we will have a passion for you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, for what you did on that first, the first two days in that week leading up to, to the cross where there was this in, intense, intense moment that no one else really was, was, was aware of, where this fig tree just innocently on the side of the road and yet it meant so much to, to the external, to the things that, Israelite, is, that Israel was trying to portray and the things that they were doing. And yet you brought this harsh judgment to them to say, listen, beware, repent now. I will come closer, draw near to me as I draw near to you, the Lord says. I will come closer to you. But be aware that the closer I get, the clearer I see. Father, as we just um, end off the service, I want to pray a blessing over each and every person. Um, if you are someone who wants to respond to any of the calls this morning, if you want to figure out what it is that, you, that Jesus has called you for, come let us trust together so that we can see it and hear it. If you're someone who doesn't know the Lord and you want to even just start there, come, let's, let's start the journey together. Let's walk towards the true vine and walk away from the cursed fig tree. Walk away from judgment. Walk into being the justified through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for your gracious ears this morning, even into the afternoon. Um, as I believe, as wonderful shofar fashion here, there's some re refreshments and some good, some good stuff. So please go have some tea and coffee with us. Um, if there's anything that you want prayer for, other than the stuff I've asked for, please come to the front. I will be here. I'm wanting to pray for you. It's something that is on my heart because I know for me, my life is changing. And, uh, and because my, my career is coming to an end in this sense, uh, with this contract at Hamilton, God is being very clear about, okay, what is it that you're doing with your life? Um, and how is it that you're bringing me glory? Uh, is this what, is it, are you sure that this is what it is I've called you for? And so um, I want that certainty for each and every one of us so that we can bear much fruit. Bless you. God loves you. God loves you. Ciao, ciao.